Thank you for listening to Just Claudia podcast, episode 13, on the 1st of July 2020. My name is Claudia, and I am an English teacher in France. I am originally from Singapore, a little country in Southeast Asia, and have been living in France for four years since 2016 in a little town called Asse, 30 kilometers away from Paris. This podcast is about the bits and pieces of my life in France. Through this podcast, you can learn things about Singapore and view France from a new perspective, from the eyes of a Singaporean. Next to my reading lamp on my bedside table lies a stack of books. The makeup of the stack of books may vary every few weeks, but the stack is a permanent fixture in my bedroom. The current stack stands 8 inch tall, put together by 7 books. It is propped up by the thickest book, a 2 inch thick English translation of War and Peace paperback by Russian Leo Tolstoy. I locked this book from Singapore to France during my last year's visits back home. Since my book collection in Singapore had been left to gather dust for many years, my father decided to give some of the books away. In the last visit, he wanted me to go through the books to pick out the ones I wanted to keep. When my glance fell on wall and piece, still in limited condition, a wave of guilt crept into me. It's one of the classics that I have promised myself that I will read, and that particular promise made 10 years ago in Singapore was still unfulfilled. With a renewed promise, I packed the hefty paperback in my luggage and flew it with me to France. War and Peace was purchased 10 years ago when I was still living in Singapore. 10 years have passed, and I have barely made a dent in this weighty tome. My only defensible excuse is that I wasn't living in Singapore for 8 of those 10 years and the book was neglected during the moving process. The reading of this classic is not made easier when the tome contains close to 1,400 pages and each nearly translucent page is crammed with 40 closely spaced lines of small print. Since its arrival in France, I have ventured only a few chapters which have barely scratched the 60th page. Sitting steadily on top of War and Peace is the Count of Monte Cristo, Volume 1, in its original language, by French Alexandre Dumas. Boosted by my self-confidence in my level of French after managing to finish the first volume of The Three Musketeers by the same author, I decided to try my hand on the Counts of Monte Cristo last year, Dumas' other famous novel. This book, compared to Wall and Peace, is more manageable with its slightly bigger fonts printed on the 1,000-page paperback. I am one-third into the book. With luck, I will be able to finish it by the end of this year. The remaining five books of this stack, a mixture of French and English, are less formidable in appearance and contents. Laying gingerly on top of the Count of Monte Cristo is Emile Zola's The Lady's Paradise, followed by Oscar Wilde's Picture of Doreen Gray. 
hold on, I'm not an intellectual snob who reads only classics. The other three books were written by contemporary authors. The House of Mr. Biwas by British V.S. Nalpol. Perfume, the story of a murderer by German Patrick Suskind. And Trois Jours et Une Vie by French Pierre Lemaitre. Two books are of my recent purchases, having been in my acquisition for about a year. The other one is a book borrowed a few months ago from Seville, my husband. These seven books are not the only books that are reading in progress. RIP, R-I-P. These are just seven out of the numerous RIP books in the apartment. Most of our books are lined on the white three-shelf bookcase in the hallway. Why does it take me such a long time to finish one book? Why do I keep buying books when I still have a pile of ripped books to vanquish? From time to time, when the book is really riveting or when it's a light read, I can devour the book in just a day or two, neglecting my task or sacrificing my sleep. It used to happen quite frequently when I was much younger. I would be yawning all the time in class or at work after putting in an all-nighter. Nowadays, I get easily distracted when I read. Perhaps researchers are right. With age, one becomes more prone to distraction. The books placed on my bedside table are the books du jour, ones that I am currently focusing on or at least making an attempt to. The daily obstrusive reminders upon waking and before sleeping are supposed to prompt, exalt, beseech, and guilt me into picking them up and reading them. Whenever my eyes fall on the stack, a twinge of guilt will rear its ugly head for a few seconds. I will feel contrite enough to pick one up and read a few pages. Depending on how the plot unfolds in those few pages and my mood at that moment, I can read quite a few chapters at a time and consecutively for days. If every book works out that way, I can clear a book within two weeks. But clearly, my reading pattern does not work out that way. The remorse that evoked each time those books fall within my sight seems to lose its hold on me. As the time passes, my nonchalance towards the stack waxes. After every three or four weeks, when I don't seem to make much progress in shrinking the stack, or when my attention has shifted to some other reading material, I will bury some of the books in the deep drawer of the bedside table or move them to the bookcase. Out of sight, out of mind, I shall not be daily reminded of the neglect suffered by these books. I usually grab one of the books from the stack at random. Well, not really random, as it also depends on whether I feel I have done enough French reading lately. If I have not practiced enough French, I will gravitate myself towards a French book. Regardless of the book I pick, I get many a time distracted somewhere along the way. I can be reaching out for my Samsung mobile phone to search online for the definition of a word 
that I have just come across in the book. The search may lead me to glancing at the social media and email notifications on my phone. It can be an innocuous late night work mail, not the fault of the sender of course, that sets me off thinking about creating new contents for the upcoming lessons. I will then promise myself a quick search online to see what kind of interesting classroom activities I can adopt for my students. The quick search can potentially turn into an hour-long exhaustive search which adds 20 English learning websites saved under my list of favourite websites and, as for the book, barely touched. The distraction can also just be a notification in the shape of a multicolour camera sitting boldly on the top left corner of my phone screen. The notification calls out wordlessly, imploring me to check out the Instagram user who has recently liked one of my photo posts. Just by knowing the identity of the user is not sufficient to quench my curiosity. I will peek into the user's profile and check out his photo post. If the posts are amazing travel photo shoots, I might dig for more info on the photo location, such as the geography, the history, or the culture. One thing leads to another. By the time I put down the phone, a couple of hours have already passed since I fell into the Instagram rabbit hole. Then, there are times when my interest is piqued by some trivial information stated in the book, such as when it cites other books or other authors. Such information of times leads me to a literary rabbit hole. If I am sufficiently engaged by the information reviewed by the search results on the cited book or one of the books written by the mentioned writer, I would try to get hold of the book. There are a few ways I can go about doing it. If it's an English book, I could try to search for it on Overdrive, a free library service that allows me to have access to digital content such as ebooks, e-magazines, audiobooks thanks to my Singapore National Library membership. If I cannot find a book, which is rare, I would purchase it from Amazon. If it's a French book, I would buy it directly from a bookstore. For instance, this was how it led me into buying The Lady's Paradise by Emil Zola. I came across his name when I was reading about Alfred Dreyfus' affair in a French history book. The affair was a political scandal that marked the French history at the end of the 19th century, in which Emile Zola was involved. A quick online search provided me with his profile and books, from which I chose The Lady's Paradise. In this case, not only had I not finished the original history book that I was reading, I added another one to my read books. Both Sylvia and I are bibliophile. Like me, he has his share of physical books and e-books through Kindle. He gravitates more towards non-fiction books and literary books. And his readings are split 50-50 between these two categories. As for me, I spend half of my time reading genre fiction, 40% on literary books, and the remaining 10% on non-fiction. As such, our taste overlap occasionally. One of the seven books in the current bedside rack, The House of Mr. B was by British V.S. Nordpol, is a purchase of Sylvia's. My bedside stack of rip books, the rip books on the bookcase, mine and Sylvia's, 
the e-books on Overdrive and Kindle. I don't see myself clearing or shrinking the read books anytime soon, not to mention the to-read stack comprising of books in my possession, physical and e-books, that I have yet to start reading. This reminds me of a word in Japanese, sunduko. This word aptly captures this impulsion to possess books with an intention of reading them, but ultimately creating a stack of unread books, in my case, lots of rip and to read books. Perhaps Sunduko is a product of the consumerist society that we are living in. Perhaps it's the fear of missing out, FOMO, missing out on good reads. Perhaps there are other justifiable reasons. Regardless of the reasons, a stack of books will always accompany my sleep.